Welcome to Inside the Hive, a podcast where we take a deep dive into the world of robotics. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Trevor Cassie, MD of DEM Automation and Work Holding based in Burnley. DEM is a solutions provider specializing in the concepts, design and installation of automation and work holding systems across multiple industries. From evaluation through to design, the DEM team of highly experienced professionals work together to create just what your manufacturing company needs to get the job done. From simple pick and place applications to fully automated production solutions, DEM Automation has the knowledge and experience to work on pretty much any project. I am really very excited to talk to Trevor because Trevor's the kind of guy that believes that everything is possible if something isn't working. He'll come up with a solution and he's put his experienced, unparalleled work ethic and ambition into the development of DEM. Trevor, I, I can't wait to talk to you about everything you've got going on and share it with our listeners. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, looking forward to it. A bit nervous now you've introduced me right <laughs> it's, it's a stellar introduction, right? <laughs> but you definitely live up to it. I, I know that you do, having having had previous conversations with you. So obviously, I, I do want to touch a bit on the work that DM does. But I'm actually very interested in learning about you as a person and your personal history. So can you can you talk me through kind of like um, an abridged version of the life of Trevor? So basically, where did you come from to, to get where you are today as MD of DEM Automation? Right. Um, well, I'll try and keep it in a nutshell. College educated, partial university education, and then rolled into working life. I'll keep that as simple as that. Started working life in a, a fabrication outfit, actually which is a very much a, a manual-orientated workshop. This was going back ooh, 25 years plus now. And in that shop, we were just starting to look at introducing robotics way back when, where, when people really did see it as a black art. Now, as a the fresh young bud that was wandering around the shop floor, I was the one putting my hand up to sort of state, well, come on, can, can I be the one that learns how to do that? How do I, how do I get on board? How do I get trained? How do I start? working on the, the what, what's obviously going to be the future. So that's sort of where my understanding and first experience of automation in manufacturing came from. From then, sort of um, rolled up and down Dale a little bit, to be honest. I left that particular company through, through redundancy for whatever reasons they were um, and moved on to work for Chorus, formerly known as British Steel. That was just basic metal stockholding, account management, working with the manufacturing area there uh, within Chorus, helping them come up with flipper processes, improved designs, uh, improved nesting for laser cutting, all, all the kind of things you get in sort of a steel stockist environment. From there, an, an opportunity arose. It, it, it did happen to be a, a family-based opportunity where my, my father was setting up a CNC production outfit in Burnley. Well, what I was doing at the time, I was uh, to help him get up and running. I actually worked weekends and evenings for him. So I was rolling over. I was operating machines for them. Uh, I say evenings and weekends, jumping back in my car, driving 50 miles back to my house, working week on my normal job. Uh, and after a couple of months, as usual, as anybody would, and it's, a, it's a bit too much. I'm not getting any time to myself. And at that point, they asked me if I'd like to actually come over, join that team as uh, their first production manager of that small CNC outfit. I had a scratch of my head, thought about it, 
accepted the offer and then really started really a hardcore ground-based development of the skill set I've got today. What I did there is I joined a very, it was a very small outfit. It was two and a half thousand square foot, three machine tools, a handful of people, and we were just churning bits out on a week-by-week basis. Uh, from there is I then have stuck with that team right through until 2019 uh, and developed myself from being working on the shop floor as a hands-on production manager and working from uh, with a company with a, a first year annual turnover of eight to four thousand pounds right through to developing a multi-site company run over uh, 250,000 square foot multidisciplined across CNC machine tool strategies, treatments, facilities, you name it, everything that was an integrated process around what we did, we, we, we looked and we introduced that into the business and, and worked that to grow it to, I say, a multi-million pound turnover company, just shy of 300 people, and ended up residing, actually, as the operations director. More, well, all of my education, really, in that environment has come from being on the shop floor understanding the processes right from ground level how a part comes in the door what we've got to do to it how we're going to take metal off it how we're going to pack it how we're going to assemble it how it's going to get to the customer i worked in every department god knows how many hours in each of them departments uh, with new product introductions process improvements you 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 name it uh, if anybody's got experience in a cnc manufacturing environment i've pretty much been there and done that at ground level what i found personally i found that gave me a a, a great footing as a, a manufacturing operations director got to really understand how we could look at improving processes so what i did as part of bcw is yes we ran day-to-day production where i had a team that took care of the day-to-days but i started to develop a small team away from the hustle and bustle of the day-to-day and started to really st- try and sit back and think, are we doing this the best way that we can? Are we, uh, are we, is it the most cost-effective way? Is it the most efficient way? And, and what technologies are out there on the marketplace to allow us to improve what we're doing to keep the business competitive? For those in manufacturing, year upon year, legislations, quality standards, demand, it, it increases all the time. And to achieve these things, you, we, we have to embrace new technologies to be able to do that. This isn't because people don't want to come in work and do a good job. This is purely down to people coming to work and it's human nature that we'll make a mistake. I'll guarantee you I'll met five of them today. What we did is we, we looked, how can we try and reduce those kind of risks through technology to ensure we can be the company we need to be and supply our customers as they require what we found is that I'm not actually a, an engineer myself. I, I, I am, as you've probably listened to uh, what I've said there, is I'm, I'm more around operational management. I'm a guy that will sit there, understand what the requirements are, work out a piece of process together. And I have an army of very clever people around me that allow me to build that puzzle and come up with a solution at the end of it. So what we did in BCW is we found the solutions we were coming up with were tangible, they were feasible, and they were cost-effective. So we, we, we implemented these solutions and found that we were quite good at it as well. Being a little modest, we had innovative ideas. We had the capabilities to bolt that together. And with a few small ingredients added to the team, we were capable of starting to do this itself. Now, by, by doing that and 
being sat in that operations seat for a manufacturing company, knowing that it's a difficult, it's still, for me, I found it difficult to go out and ask people the questions of what we needed. And I, I didn't always get the a brilliant answer coming back. There was always gaps and grey areas that left me with concern. Now, I felt that we'd built a team that was capable of taking it to market with a with our unique selling point of not really, we're not an automation company, although it says in the title, what we are, are a group of manufacturers that have been embedded in manufacturing for quarter of a century. And we, we, we're capable of understanding what a manufacturer needs and then applying different methods of technology to give a solution. So once that penny dropped with me, uh, the idea sprung into my head, why, why don't I set up and why don't I offer it out to the wider market? Then first of July 2019, after a business plan had been written, driven through, understood and supported by uh, our group company, uh, Eureka, here we are. It's a great story because I love the fact that, as you said, you're not, you don't just sit behind a desk with you know numbers in front of you you're actually out there on the shop floor you've got that hands-on experience and I think that's super super invaluable um, especially in in your current position of, of what you and your company do. I'm just a firm believer I think to for, per my personal view of operations management around manufacturing you you if you're going to make anything you, you need to know how it's made if, if you want to steer a ship you, you need to know how it functions properly and you need to know it right down to the nth degree to be able to make informed decisions and engage with the technical team that then want to drive what decisions you make or develop with them uh, through to fruition. If you, in my view, if you if you don't have that, you're going to struggle to be 100% successful. Yeah, completely agree. Do you find then that obviously with your experience from before and then obviously still still doing it now and, and being around on the shop floor the kind of business problems that you came across before when you were the other side of the table are they still recurring now with with your clients and the people that you talk to or do you think it's are the business problems changing have we solved the issues from the past or are they still happening now that we haven't found a solution for them business problems are always changing to be fair as i alluded to earlier we, we with quality standards and, and demands in certain areas they, they these bring new problems every year. But yes, I do, I do tell you, if, I, if I go back on the other side of the table and I look at the problems that I had when I was initially trying to engage in using technology to improve uh, and using a supply base, I still feel them problems are, are there. And as I say, alluding to why I had the idea of setting up this business is that I still feel, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not putting down anybody that's in the industry. There's some really good outfits out there that really are making a difference to manufacturing but I, I do still feel sometimes that there are companies out there that have got an ability to supply technical solutions but sometimes still lack the real breadth of understanding of manufacturing requirements to be able to knit them two together for me that, that that's the bit that gives you the, the whole solution and and that's what we see so when I am going in and seeing a customer I do see that they're still unaware of what the art of the possible is. I do see that people still feel that it's a black art of what we're trying to offer and things are unachievable. And I try and break down them barriers by letting them know I've been on that side of the fence, letting them know that we're here not only to look at providing them a solution, but to provide them an understanding of how we're going to give them a solution. And that it's trying to then onboard them people and give them an understanding of what can they really do if they engage with new technology? 
Yeah, I completely agree with you because it's the approach that you have is more around creating that relationship with your customer, really in understanding their business inside out, especially with my experience of talking to a lot of SMEs over the last year or so. Sometimes I suppose they, they think that there might be a one one size fits all solution or they might see I'm going to put a robot into my business and it, you know, magic will happen overnight. That's obviously not the case. And what they do is, is you look at everything from start to finish and go, actually, you can you can fix things here. It might not, you might think that you want to automate this part of your supply chain, but actually that's not a good idea, you know, and, and actually I think that's that's super, super helpful. It seems like what you're offering is a lot of transparency, which I think is absolutely integral to, to building these relationships. You hit the nail on the head there. It is transparency. I, 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 people can believe it or not. I 100% decided to do this because I enjoy providing solutions. That, and, and that's it. Yes, we need to make some money. But I, I, what gets me out of bed in the morning is providing solutions. And by to provide a solution, the transparency between what I'm thinking, what I can do, and working with a particular customer is what can bring that to a real, reality, a successful reality as well. Are you finding that when you're having these conversations then with customers, just to go back to the, the business problems, what are kind of the, the current business problems that you're seeing are recurring are people coming to you with a whole variety of different things or are you seeing some trends that are tending to crop up it's a variety it really is if you split our two main silos really of what we do is um if i jump over to the work holding side of things obviously with the with the c with heavily been heavily into cnc manufacture for a good number of years the one thing i noticed there as well is that being able to understand manufacturing process and it doesn't really matter what you make you need to have hold of whatever it is you're making. Therefore, you've got control over whatever it is you're making. So we do feel that on, on that side, when we go out there looking at work-holding solutions for customers, there is still a, in my view, and I do apologise if you upset anybody with this, but I, I still feel there's a, a an archaic standard of how we hold parts for manufacture that for me doesn't give a hundred percent solution i'm not saying it can be achieved on every single thing that we look at sometimes it, it, it is impossible we've got to look at other technologies to do it but we try and work with a customer to get them to understand the investment on providing a solution at the front end that develops control over whatever it is you're making then gives you reduced risk for each element as you move forward it is so. To that, that that's one bit that we do see. We, we see a lot of people want to, you know, nut and bolt. We need something cheap and cheerful just to hold that part while we do it. Once well, held up, you've got a system here that you may have spent hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, or a million pounds worth on a, on a system that's going to make your part. And now you want to put cheap and cheerful at the front end to hold the component that you want to make a thousand a week of through that expensive kit. Why on earth would you want to do that if you develop it a little more? Not only are you going to get a better product or a more consistent product, therefore you're going to be more consistent on your delivery and your quality. But if you engage at that bit first, you may find you don't need to spend the capex at the other end because you could do with lesser equipment because you've got less risk and more compromise in the process. Of course. I mean, I think it's important that, that you do say that, you know, it's, it's, I think it's refreshing to hear you're not in it for the quick win. You're there with that consultation process to go actually let's really look at what's going to be best for you and your company in the long in the long run. We've just done. We're just we're just working with a customer at the minute. I can't say who they are, but we're working with them on. A, and it's a manufacturing of a component that um, we all have in, We've all got in those houses, uh, but I've never come across it myself in a manufacturing environment. And 
at the, at the minute, well, the first thing we've done is gone in and done our uh, done an engineering evaluation of the process that they've got. Because they were specifically asking, uh, we want automation in this area of the process, because this is where we feel that we need it. Very quickly on evaluation, we noticed if we were to supply them a system, we would have to supply them a system with such an amount of compromise, the value of that system skyrockets up. But you still couldn't guarantee conforming product coming out the other end. So we've, we've probably spent the last three months now working with that particular customer on building that understanding of their process and how affecting and improving one end, i.e. the front end of the process, massively reduces risk and overspend on capex as you move through your process. Therefore, the whole project comes down considerably in cost to get a far better product coming out of it and, and far more consistent. So it, what you've been taught, what you've been asking there, it, it relates very much so to definitely one project that we're, we're currently in the midst of working on. And I, I don't. I see that being a common pattern as uh, as my business progresses. So with this, I know obviously you can't um, give specific details about the projects that you work on, but just I'm just thinking about in general ballpark figures. Do you have quite a, a variety of projects um, in regards to installation time? Because obviously you know you're speaking about this one where it takes three months to talk about the process, and obviously there'll be time to actually create the solution and install it afterwards. Is, is, do you work on like a variety of projects that take uh, you know different amounts of time, or are they all kind of generally the same? Well, no, it's a huge variety. If you uh, what what we aren't, so we, we we're not just a company that's going out there looking for your million pound robotic installation. Um, yes, we have that on our radar, and that's what we do. Uh, but we also do all the bits in between. If somebody wants a, a repair to a, a system, we can do that. An improvement to a system, repurpose a system. Or they may just want to buy a couple of pins or a, a little fixture that fits in there. We, we we do it all from start to finish. So if you think in the, in the last four weeks, I've uh, I've quartered jobs from £163 through to £1.6 million. Uh, and, and that's the variation of what we do. Now, obviously, £163, that's through our additive, additive manufacturer area, which we've produced in two days. So that's gone straight out to the customer. The other one, it's an 18-month program. So it, it's not that we're, we're not trying to be the jack of all trades. Well, what, what, what we are is we're, we're capable of producing a, a solution. But we we don't, we, we can also, because we're capable of producing that solution, and we do all of it in-house. We buy everything, we concept, design, manufacture, integrate, everything's done in-house. That gives us the capability that if somebody wants a sliver of a solution, then that's what they can pick. So yeah, it does keep it quite varied then. And then your different solutions. It, it, we, we've got cobots, we've got small industrial, we've got large industrial. We could be working in bathroom manufacturer one week. We could be working in aerospace another week, nuclear another. It's we, we're not industry snobs, that's for sure. <laughs> we, we we allow ourselves, and the enjoyment is to get out there. There's nothing more like than having a walk around a factory, of particularly where they're manufacturing something I've never seen being made before. And getting that understanding, that it just helps us build a skill set, get a different understanding of how things are made, and it, it's only making us stronger. That's so interesting to hear. I love that. You're just basically super flexible and responsive to, to anything that a customer will come to you with. And we're not always saying we've got the answer. That, that, that's for sure. If we, do, if we don't have the answer, we feel it's out of our core ability. We, we will gracefully bow out. That's good to hear. 
as well. I think it's a very honest, it's a very honest way to work because you're always having the the priority of the customer and you know their their best interests at the forefront of your mind, which is um, which is great. Again, coming back to you know your ethos of transparency. Um, when you're walking around the shop floor and you're doing these site visits, I just want to move to talk on the ageing workforce of the UK, which is a topic that I see come up quite a lot. And it may be something that you've experienced as you're doing lots of site visits. I'm one of them, Anna. <laughs> still, still young at heart, Trevor. <laughs> so, you know, as, as I said, obviously, you, you know, you're walking around and you, it, it may be something that, that you have noticed and I know that we've spoken before about um, apprenticeship schemes and obviously trying to get this younger generation of um, youngsters into manufacturing into um, you know all of the kind of work that you do can you tell me a bit about the work that you do or any schemes that you know of how to get young people in what can SMEs do to to sort of lure these youngsters into a new age, new era. Being quite honest, to, to, to find the skill levels that we require for this business to function in our location is very difficult. Um, this year, we've started uh, an apprentice. Uh, I'm very keen on homegrown, uh, very keen on homegrown. One, through, uh, I like it, and, and two, through necessity. When we go out to try and find controls people, robot programmers, uh, uh, so on and so forth, uh, where we are, we do find it extremely difficult. Now, this year we took on uh, an apprentice in our controls department. And to our surprise, although we found that that apprenticeship exists within the UK, our local colleges have never delivered it. Therefore, it wasn't actually on their agenda for delivery. Now, obviously, that gives us then uh, another challenge. So we've sat with the local college uh, and what we've done to ensure that we can kick off apprenticeships in areas that we require is we are working now hand in hand with the college to ensure that when they feel they're out of their comfort zones, basically out, uh, when they're working on the elements away from the, the the mainstream curriculum, if you will, we're there to support 100%. We are there to support to ensure that uh, the, the apprentice that we've got on that course and hopefully more that we do put on these courses moving forward are ensuring they're getting the maximum benefit from the education. Uh, then on, on the other side of that is what that got me thinking into we, we if we're going to survive and we're going to do what we need to do, I, I've got to get my business more involved at an earlier stage to drive enthusiasm and, uh, you know, engagement in younger people to want to look and come into this kind of industry. So we are and, and we are currently active. Uh, we've had several meetings over the last two weeks with the, the local college and the local AMRC uh, to understand how can we work together with them to develop workshops, open days, whatever it may be, to multiple age groups working through from, personally, I'd like to take it right back down to junior school, through to high school, uh, and then into um, higher education. Uh, how do we get out there and how do we engage with them but with meaningful workshops to get them to buy in and understand what, what's out there? What could they go and do as a possible career path and, and try and engage with them and encourage them into coming to join us? So that that's something that we're actively working on at the moment. I don't want to say too much about what we're doing because we're still working out what we're going to try and do. But the, the ultimate thing is, is we, we are we are very active in that at the moment, trying to show them what, what they could do when they 
leave college, leave school, and, and more so than just being. Many people want to be an engineer uh, in the northwest of England. We're surrounded by a lot of very strong, very good engineering manufacturing companies. What I don't believe is the word engineer is fully understood by younger people and the and the breadth of what that can actually cover. So we're going to try and work with them to sort of open some eyes and broaden the horizons of some people and see if we can encourage people into this industry. Therefore, stirring the pot up a little bit, creating it and giving us something with people that can grow into us and, and, and grow more companies like ourselves, which in my view, the country is going to need as we move forward. So what you're basically looking to do is redefine the word engineer and redefine the word manufacturing but it's not it's not a redefinition of the word because the, the engineer is a, you could be a cnc engineer you could be a welding engineer you could be a robotics engineer a control engineer they're all they're all positions and um they're all jobs that have been around for decades some are just not as well known as others I, I, my personal experience, I, I sat there in my class, I wrote my record of achievement in my class. I was not shown what was uh, possible, what was out there. Uh, it, it, there was very little put on the platter of guidance as to what you could be. Uh, there's a lot of aerospace where we are, so everybody wants to go and be an aerospace engineer. But what, what does that mean? It, it's... It's such a broad range. There's nothing new there. I just want to try and help open people's eyes to understand the being an engineer can be a lot of different things. It really can, and just try and give people a better understand a better understanding than I did when they're making a selection moving forward. But I, I do think with what young people are doing today, where where they're going with technologies that we're starting to use today, I'm sure we can drive an interest into uh, this kind of engineering. So shining a light on the hidden corners rather than redefining. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. No, I completely agree. I think it should, you know, this should be going further back into school. And I know that obviously, you know, there's a big push for, for children going into more STEM-based subjects. But I do also, you know, a real advocate for the idea of that hands-on vocational training that these apprenticeship teams and the work that you and, and other companies are doing to, to really inspire these future generations of, of engineers. Well, I think if you take, um, I'm reading something, if you take Denmark, for example, Denmark, are they teach robotics from our equivalent of junior school. And they taught robotics all the way through. So when, you, when you're visiting Denmark, you're looking at their manufacturing processes. No, no wonder they engage with an automated process so strong because they're engaging with the future so early. Do you think it's a cultural thing then? Definitely a cultural thing. And, and cultural things are the hardest things to guide and change. That's for sure. But if, you, if you look at where my, and it's my opinion, but if you automation and innovation around manufacturing is going to come at us stronger than it ever has done over the next decade. In my view, that's inevitable. So, and we need to be ready for it. If UK manufacturing wants to stay competitive, we need to break off some of these shackles and we need to become open to talk to each other, to understand how we can all improve and how we can engage with something moving forward. Uh, we've got to engage with it or we're just not going to be as competitive as we need to be. Mm. That's sage advice, I think. Just to wrap up then, do you have any words of wisdom or any words of advice for, for any 
any people or any of the younger generation who are thinking about becoming engineers or they're just starting to choose their subjects or look into to engineering is there any information that you can that you can give them to inspire them if i can get them around in a workshop and get some things in front of them and show them the kind of things that we do i'm 100 percent convinced i can inspire people into want to come into this industry 100 percent i can do that but as, as a word of advice ask questions uh, I, I never did. Uh, I, I, I don't know why. I, I just didn't know. But ask questions. What's out there? Uh, don't be afraid to want to do something different to the mainstream career paths that are in your area. Branch out. Everybody's aware of a lot more these days. The, the internet has get, made the word, world available to us. Do some research. Have a look. And, and hunt out there. Find what's out there. And, and try and talk to local companies. You'll be surprised that a lot of them will talk to you and a lot of them will give you some guidance if it is something that you're interested in. That's about all I can say is that you just, nothing, no one will ever give you much in this life. If you want to do something, I've always found you, you need to get up and you need to take it. Thank you for that. I feel like you've inspired me to, to make a career change for me. This time <laughs> next year, I'll be up there working with you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Trevor. I think it's really inspiring what you and your team are doing for future generations of engineers and manufacturers. So I, I really think everyone can take a leaf out of your book. So if any of our listeners at home would like to talk more to Trevor about either the work that DEM are doing with apprentices or to speak about automation solutions that DEM can help you with, you can contact them on their email, which is info at dem-ltd.co.uk or check them out on LinkedIn where they post regular content. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to listen to more of the chats and catch-ups we have, then subscribe to Inside the Hive on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to feature on the podcast or have any interesting news or stories you'd like to tell us, you can drop us an email on team at bot-hive.com or check us out on social media where all of our handles are at wearebothive. Thank you for listening. This has been Inside the Hive. Until next time.